Hey there. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Encore Podcast. Chris here and Gabby there. And, uh, well, neither one of us are very happy because obviously our team did not win the World Series. But we're going to move right past that. Right, Gab? <laughs> we're going to move right past it. After all, it happened last Saturday. So, and we're, <laughs> we're about five days away from that, four or five days. So, but it doesn't feel any better. It doesn't. But I tell you what, we've got a really good guest lined up and we're going to get to her in a few moments. She is a longtime radio, uh, Philadelphia radio personality. Her name is Marilyn Russell. I'm sure a lot of you know that name. Uh, and we'll talk to Marilyn right after a quick break here on the Encore podcast. Well, Gab, I, you know, we have somebody here today who I've known for years and years and years and never met her. She worked in Philadelphia for the bulk of her career, not all of it, but, but yet we never worked together. I never met her out. This woman was out doing things for the radio stations that she worked for all the time while I was home sitting on the couch watching TV <laughs> and probably should have been doing with Marilyn Russell had been doing for such a long time. Marilyn, it is nice to make your acquaintance finally. I can't believe that we've never met. We were running parallel careers for the longest of time. And how is it possible that we've never met? Well, I don't know. You know, you and I were on the radio at the same time, uh, same uh, day part and all of that morning. You spent a lot of time in morning there and so did I. And yeah, I guess that's the reason why, you know, we were kind of opposite each other for a long time. And you used to kick my ass pretty, uh, pretty regularly uh, in the ratings. So, <laughs> so th there's that. Thank you, Marilyn. We're Philadelphians and, and that's a thing with Philadelphia. We just are a little bit competitive <laughs> or a little bit like that Rocky philosophy. It's like, they're going to knock you down, but you just keep getting up. You know, <laughs> it's not how hard you get hit. It's whether or not you get back up. And it's so true. And so, yeah, I was probably just busy trying to crush you in whatever station you happen to be on at the time. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> I, you know, I really value honesty. Thank you, Marilyn. I do appreciate that. You know, one of the things that I mentioned, I think that you're a Philly girl and I, you know, maybe I should say Philly woman, but at one point you were a Philly girl. You grew up in Mayfair in Northeast Philadelphia. And the reason I bring that up is because I have a soft spot in my heart for Mayfair because my wife is from Mayfair. And my wife also, like you, graduated from Abraham Lincoln High School. And she grew up right across the street from Lincoln High. So she never had to take a bus or any of that. She was able to be, well, you know, to sleep in for her entire high school career and just walk across the street there. <laughs> so there's that. No, I was, on, I was on that 73 bus going up Cotman Avenue. <laughs> <laughs> 73. And in fact, a lot of times I walked from Gillespie Street. The kids, they don't know. They call Uber now. They don't even know what it's like, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. What's the matter with kids these days, right? These exactly. days. Yeah. <laughs> so after Abraham Lincoln High School, you went on to LaSalle. You got your degree in journalism. And I have to ask you, why journalism? Well, I really wanted to be a writer. That was my goal. I had absolutely... I mean, I did radio in college and I thought, oh, this is fun. This is quirky. Um, I never really thought of it as a career. I wanted to write. So after goofing around for a couple of years after college, as one does, I got a real job in advertising because I was hoping to become a copywriter. Lo and behold, the guy that I worked for sort of changed my whole career trajectory by saying, Marilyn, that voice, that voice, that voice, you've got to do something with your voice. And so he pointed me in the direction of doing voiceover. And voiceover is eventually why I got hired in radio, because I didn't have real solid radio experience, but they're like, we like you and you can do our PSAs and we won't pay you to do them. So you know how that goes. I, I, found WDRE or WDRE found me in 1993 and I loved the format. I was really an alternative girl. So it, it just worked out that I was able to work for them part-time in the afternoons, answering phones and cutting PSAs and learning production while I was doing it. 
It's not the usual path, but it worked. I think something that's super important, especially being in this industry and being someone who's like on the newer side of their career in this industry is seeing that you both had such long careers and, and like getting to do all these different things, but always in the beginning, you know, it was a lot of like, just sort of taking opportunities that were presented to you. You know, I don't think that there is a conventional way that we get into this or we find like the path that we're supposed to be on in entertainment. And yeah, I, I love the fact that, you know, someone was just like, have you tried this? And you were like, no. And then you gave it a shot and you ended up loving it. Yeah. You just keep raising your hand. Yeah. Um, just keep leaning in and paying attention and listening to what's up and, and eventually someone will put faith in you or hand you that baton and say, we think you can do this. And that goes a long way. Once that stops happening, it's that's when trouble begins. And that's when, you know, they're looking for a younger version of you at that point. <laughs> <laughs> you and uh, you and Gabby here have uh, something in common. You both worked with Preston and Steve. Now, yeah, I'm sure you don't know this about Gabby, or maybe you do. Maybe she mentioned it to you when she was booking, uh, lining you up for this podcast. But she interned with Preston and Steve back at, at MMR. They were uh, they were my first internship, actually, wanting to figure out if I wanted to do something in media. Oh, my God. I think that is the earliest I've ever woken up consistently in my life. I think I had to leave my house in southern New Jersey it had to be 3.30 in the morning when I was waking up. Like I, I've never been awake and on the roads at that time, even now as an adult who has like stayed awake for that long. I, I still haven't been out with people like that. Oh my God. Like, I mean, what an experience you got to do actual work and, and create things with them. I, I was definitely more on the sidelines of like learning. Um, and I was only there for a couple of months, but I would love to hear how you ended up working with them because I, I know firsthand what a fun time it is. Preston and I wound up together first. What happened was this little radio station, I got married, had a baby, moved to Rockledge in Jenkintown Township. And this little radio station moved into our neighborhood in Jenkintown, literally, like I could almost walk there. And I just called and said, hey, do you need anybody or do anything? Because I had just had my son, I didn't want to go back to work full time. And he was about one and a half at that time. Yeah. So that was WDRE. And that was a really long time ago. But once DRE, it, it originally started out as a Long Island feed from New York. It was DRE Long Island. And then we had the Philadelphia Satellite my job in the, at the, in the satellite region was being locally connected. And I was because I was always part of the band scene in Philadelphia, one version or another. So I think Mel Toxic might have been doing a local music show. And then he got really busy because he was a big success, had a great career. And I took over the local show. Now, lo and behold, we took the feed off of Long Island and went live and local in Philadelphia in 1995. And that's when everything kind of changed. Mel, I think, went on full time. I started doing a local show. It didn't, the, the format at the time did not do that well. So they brought in this public uh, program director from St. Louis called Jim McGuinn, named Jim McGuinn, who's back in Philadelphia, I'm happy to say. Jim took the station Philly. Jim met me and said, I really like you and what you're about, but I don't know what to do with you. And we had this conversation. I said, well, my strengths certainly lie in the regionalism. He said, absolutely. You're Philly through and through. So I need you. Let's figure out how to make it work. And so we did. And I stayed hosting the local show, loved hosting the local show. We did live music band showcases. Oh my God, at Club Egypt on Delaware Avenue, which I hadn't thought about in a million years. And then uh, we had a great four-year run. I mean, it was just super fun. He actually made me assistant music director and then music director. I wound up doing a specialty show too. So the new young alternative artists that were just trying to break in, um, you know, the Afghan wigs and garbage and smashing pumpkins and all those great bands. I would play them first on Sunday night 
middle of the night. Nobody knew. But I helped break a few of those artists. Fiona Apple. Jim didn't want to play. I said, Marilyn, I don't, there's no guitar. We can't play this. I said, Jim, women are going to pull over in their cars, you know, when they hear this song. So let's do it. And eventually he had a lot of faith in me. Lo and behold, Derry gets sold after our great four-year run. Five of us from WGRE go, are lucky enough to go to Y100. Jim McGuinn, Preston Elliott, Brett Hamilton, a guy named John Casino who did the best production of anyone in the business, and me. So we're all at Y100. I got a call from another radio station. I didn't, wasn't on the air. I was promotion director for Y100. I get a call from another Philly radio station, a lovely station in Philadelphia that's member supported. They said, you need to be on the air. Why are you not on the air? I said, well, I'm doing promotions. No, no, no. You need to come into midday. And I did. So I left. That was the hardest thing, leaving Jim McGuinn. Ten months later, Jim's making changes at Y100 and calls me and says, I think you and Preston would be really good together in the mornings. I dropped the phone. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a call you get. You know what I mean? So I couldn't have been more excited and more honored to get that call. Well, the other station wasn't so happy when I left, but I couldn't say no to that opportunity. So then back to Y100 I go. Waking up at the crack of dawn with Preston Elliott, the two of us looking at each other like, how does this work? And what are we going to talk about? We had no idea because he was a midday or afternoon guy. We were nighttime people. We were partying a little bit. Um, <laughs> so we tried it and we, and we did it. And we said, the one thing that's missing is funny. And of course, Steve Morrison did a lot of production on WGRE. We got Jim to bring Steve down from New York. And he's been here ever since. They just—they're just doing the uh, Camp Out for Hunger 25th anniversary, and I feel really old. <laughs> I know they are such a mainstay. It's kind of crazy now, even looking back and realizing that you know I was lucky enough to start my internship later career with them. Um, you know, and and see how it's really made, and the fact that. I remember being an intern there and they had like live audience members, which was such a crazy concept for me as like someone who was listening to the radio. Like you don't think about other people being there. You think about like, it's you and the host that you're listening to, or you and the multiple hosts that you're listening to. That's um, what I mean. And Chris can speak to this because we did stuff with our listeners mm-hmm. that started at DRE, not a Y100. Preston will tell you because of our sonic sessions, we really hung out with listeners and we made sure listeners met their favorite bands. And so for us, it was always that extension. It was never just this one microphone. It was always all of the things. And I think if I had to say that, that sets them apart from the rest of the crew, the rest of the crowd, they really stand out. Yeah, they really do. Um, I, like I said, it was, it was such a fun, like learning experience and everyone was just everyone was working really hard, but everyone was laughing and having a good time. And, you know, if mistakes were made, it was just like, this is how we're going to do it differently next time. And we're going to move on. It's really awesome that you were able to, you know, work with them back before they became the celebrities that they are. I just now get to point at the Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode and said, yeah, like I interned for them. I mean, you can see the standing the test of time. The minute it doesn't feel fun anymore, everybody's out. They're out. Mm -hmm. It still is fun. They still find a way to find that joy. I worked down the hall from them for seven years at Ben FM. They were at MMR and I was at Ben FM. So I felt like I still had a lot of that energy and a lot of that fun. So that kept me going for a really long time Mm -hmm. because I was missing them. How how did you maintain that all those years, Marilyn? Because I know there, you know, for me, my experience was, especially working in the morning, I would say maybe three or four days out of the five days that I had to get up and go into work, I was happy, more than happy to be there because I, not only did I still enjoy what I was doing, but I really liked the people that I was working with. I looked forward to going in and see them and seeing them every morning, but there was that one day, you know, when (laughs) you would walk in and there was just nothing happening. And I don't know, maybe you stayed up watching the Phillies lose the world series and had a few too many glasses of wine the night before and didn't get enough sleep. 
How did you manage to, to, to keep that going all those years, personally? A lot of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of coffee. I never needed a lot of sleep. My mother used to, whenever I complained, she was like, don't even go there. <laughs> you know, even when I had Matthew, my son, he didn't sleep very well. The first, you know, six months, you're exhausted. And I would complain and she'd be like, mm, mm, nope. She knew. She said, you party your brains out. You can do this. Like, I just, now it's a whole other animal. <laughs> now I'm like, yeah, midnight? Nah, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I go out at, it takes a lot to get me out at night. I went to see a band called War on Drugs here. That was one night I stayed out a little bit later and I've got a concert ticket coming up for yes I will admit on your podcast I am a Gordon Lightfoot closet fan and I'm going to see Gordon Lightfoot I'm so excited I know the girl that like played Nirvana for 10 years can't wait to see Gordon Lightfoot you're a you're a very well-rounded individual. That's all I can say about that. From Gordon Lightfoot to Nirvana, why not? I mean, I can see them, you know, side by side, no problem. I think they really would have dug one another. Yeah. You know, they probably would have had some great conversation. Chris, my dad was a jazz and classical musician, so he exposed me to music at a very young age, and so it's really a little bit of everything for me. I I go into all the genres. I never understood that about radio like they were so anal about this song being in the rhythm section and this song being in adult contemporary and this one being it's like come on music's music but ratings i guess yeah well ratings are always an important thing but you know i i, I kind of agree with you and i always think i thought that uh, the people who were programming radio stations for the most part I never gave listeners the, the, the kind of uh, credit that I think they deserved. I remember so many times suggesting this or that to a program director and having them say, well, if I put that on my radio station, my listeners are going to look at the radio and think, wait a minute, do I have the wrong station on? And I'm thinking, well, okay. But then once you see that you have the right station on, you're probably going to stay there. Yeah. But I, I certainly understood that nervousness that comes with programming and uh, sometimes being overly cautious, uh, which I think is probably was always one of the big drawbacks of radio for me, at least in the genre that I worked in for the most. I live in Tucson now and I have no idea what market this is, um, but I imagine it's mid to small. And there is a station here that, you know, I used to work for Ben FM playing anything we feel like this station really does play anything they feel like. <laughs> And I love it. I can't get enough of it. So, you know, it's nice to like out of the blue here, some old school Hall and Oates into the OJs. Like who does that? You know, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, yeah. You know, back in uh, the early nineties, when you got your start, for the most part, women in the industry were relegated to a couple of things, doing a traffic report, maybe doing some news reports once or twice an hour. A lot of them, if they were on the air with a male host, they sort of were, and if you'll pardon the expression, a giggle box, they were used mainly to laugh at the inane jokes of the male host. And you're someone who's always spotlighted women in different walks of life and women in business with your woman of the week segment that you used to do. Did you ever work for a woman in, in radio? I did. Lynn Bruder. She was the general manager at Y100. Strong woman, learned so much from Lynn, eternally grateful. Uh, you know, alternative definitely was more androgynous. So they didn't, I think women in that format got away, not away with a little bit more, but were offered a little bit more and trusted a little bit more because of that kind of androgyny. I think the bands all, all felt like that. And I think that's why I was really lucky to be in that format in the beginning that, that, that gave me more opportunity, I think, than had I started at a top 40 or a rock station and, you know, rock stations are still guilty of it. 
not utilizing their women to their full capacity. It really saddens me. And one of the reasons why I started Woman of the Week and then Marilyn Russell's Remarkable Women when I switched stations, I thought it was just really important to highlight and showcase the extraordinary work being done. I mean, especially in nonprofits, women that could have jobs, you know, six figure jobs working for big corporations, really give their time and put in the time to work for the Phil Abundance, MANA, Children's Hospital, you know, all of these great organizations that Philadelphia has. And so I just wanted to showcase what they were doing and say, yay, <laughs> we had to help each other, you know? Absolutely. There was a lot of women that you interviewed um, in the segment who, you know, are pretty kick-ass. Uh, did you know all of these women personally? Did did women that you're, you interviewed come to you and say, this is somebody that I think would be great? Or did you do some research to find them? How did How did these guests sort of come to be? Well, luckily, I did have a producer at, and at, any, at every station, so they would help find. But, you know, if you just picked up a paper or even checked online, somebody was doing something special every single week. And you saw it in print and you're like, this is a great conversation to have. Many people, as it built, made suggestions. And by the way, it was a nice little sales revenue, too. They utilized it for clients. We showcased many a client on the show. Children's Hospital comes to mind. You know, Madeline Bell, extraordinary human being running a, an incredible operation um, that was client-based. So, uh, a woman in charge at Acme, they were one of the sponsors. So we would showcase them and we would put them on quarterly. You know, what's the Thanksgiving special? Thanksgiving's coming up. So, you know, get your bird. So yeah, it was utilized in that capacity too. So it was a win-win all the way around. You know, Marilyn, I read uh, something you said in an interview that you did a few years ago. And you said that terrestrial radio is, quote, very healthy. Now, again, well, that must have been a while ago. <laughs> that, that's the point I was going to make. It was a few years ago that you said that. I was going to ask you, do you still feel that way? Well, I'm out of it now. Right. No, I yeah. don't. I feel like the merging of jocks to do 10 markets by corporate radio is really sad. You know, I think that the local connection is what makes radio really fabulous. But what do I know? <laughs> I don't have the research in front of me. I don't know what they're thinking. I think it's all budgetary, much of it. They're hiring guys and women who are 30 years younger, paying them less, and they're doing a whole lot more than we did. They're researching for 10 different markets. That's a lot of work. Yeah, you're talking, you know, I, I worked uh, in the last four years of my career out in California for a company that uh, I was in Sacramento and they wanted me and the rest of us on the air there to actually do voice tracking for their other properties on the West Coast. Uh, you know, how, how would you like to be on the air in Portland? Well, I don't know. I never thought about it. I'm on the air in Sacramento. That for me is enough for, you know, that's enough. This has got my full attention just doing what I'm doing here. Uh, I couldn't imagine. Plus, you know, I've never liked voice tracking, Marilyn. I just thought it was, I hate so, that. yeah, it's just so clinical and uh, removed. It was never something that you were, you were never on the air actually live on the air wherever you were not to mention that you weren't even in the market that you were playing to uh it's just something that uh corporate radio in my opinion has they're putting the nails in the coffin one by one and it just seems like they're not finished yet that being said chris the internet has changed everything we're live on the internet right now and somebody could be listening to us from alaska from detroit from France, bonjour mon ami, it could be anywhere. And so if we're all capable of just turning on our phones, staring into it and saying interesting, what we hope are interesting things. So that may be the corporate mentality or just 
you don't, you, you know, one main market, let's say a President Steve still had Philadelphia market, which they do, obviously. But if they added them into five different markets, Philly is still the focus. Philly is still the main. But people are going to tune in from other places. I get that. They could be doing it with us right now. So there's a lot of different schools of thought. Yeah, I get I, that. I totally. But get I hate that. voice tracking too, and I don't want to do voice tracking. <laughs> so there's that. Now you're in Tucson, Arizona. Have you had any nibbles out there from uh, people that want you to continue in radio? No, I haven't tried. I um, I segued over to tourism and hospitality. I work for Visit Tucson. I love it. I'm having a love affair with Tucson. Eating my way through Tucson. We are a city of gastronomy. It's official. And I've gained 30 pounds since I've been here. Good for um, you. <laughs> I didn't count. I knew the tacos, the burritos, all of the Mexican flavor. The flavors of the Sonoran Desert are magnificent. But what I didn't count on was the flavors of the desserts. Oh, my God. There's a donut bar right around the corner <laughs> that the, it's the, the, they're doing some the vanilla bean here is like nothing I've ever tasted. I am literally eating my way through Tucson. But yeah, now I work for Visit Tucson. It's all hospitality. I love sharing the things that I love with people coming into town. And so here I am reinventing again. In my 60s. Yeah. Well, good for you. I mean, I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm gathering from what you just said that you don't miss radio. Is that true? Because I, I don't miss believe- certain aspects of it. Yeah, for sure. Um, it still can be very magical. My son went on the air with Preston and Steve to represent me for the 20th anniversary of the Camp Out for Hunger. And it was such a fun moment for him. So, yeah, th- there are things absolutely that I miss. And those moments where you really, really connect with people. I miss interviewing people. It's weird for me to be on the other side of this. Um I mean, who knows? We're, we're talking about a podcast here. I have an Instagram called Eat, Drink, and Be Marilyn. And so I may fire something up on that because food is definitely my thing now. I would have been remiss if we didn't talk about your food Instagram because like personally, I love to eat. So the fact that you have a whole Instagram dedicated to all of these delicious things that you have you've eaten, you've seen, it made me so happy to find that when we were, you know, prepping for the show. Um, and I, I can't ask you, you know, what your favorite food is, because I feel like it's, there's so many different things I saw, even from your posts that I, I personally would not be able to pick from. Um, but do you, did you find that this was something that you, um, you know, got more excited about once you had moved out West, or was this something that you always had even in Philly? (laughs) Well, Philly's a food town too. Um, I've always loved food and beverage. Um, Those are kind of my things. What I really love is a new find. Like I was just in California because it's only seven hours away by car, which is also really nice. Um, And I went into this gourmet food store, which was, it was like Xanadu. I'd never seen something more beautiful. And I can't remember the name of it. Sorry to say, but I found these great little biscuits in there. Effie's homemade. Now it's an East Coast product. I found it on the West Coast. Gourmet biscuits. And they're absolutely to die for. Oat biscuits, walnut uh, walnut cranberry, uh, almond, all the flavors that I love. And so now the hunt is on to find the perfect spread for these biscuits. So when you have that, when you get that new find, you know, that's why I started Eat, Drink, and Be Maryland. And also just because, you know, for the love of the cheesesteak. I mean, I've since found the Mexican version of the cheesesteak here. And I have to tell you, Mexican spice changes everything. I mean, they really know flavors and they kick it up a notch. There's a baker here. My very first stop when I came to Tucson was this baker who was a James Beard award-winning Baker and I followed him from the East Coast. Literally, my first stop, I pulled up to the bakery and they were closing. And I said, Oh, no, you don't understand. I've come all the way from Philadelphia. They gave me bread. <laughs> I'm, 
I'm addicted. And so now I find his stuff. He's got his own restaurant too now. So, and he makes the, a variation of a Philly cheesesteak. So thank God for, you know, barrio bread. Um, Philly, come on, Philly. (laughs) The one thing, pizza, Philly crushes. You can't, I can't find the good pizza. Well, a a Philly pizza. Yeah, I hear you. I spent four years in uh, Northern California and I, there's two things I could not get a good, a slice of pizza and a good cheesesteak. Um, it just didn't happen. And oh, I, I know, but these Californians with all their sprouts and their vegans and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Where's the meat? <laughs> where's, where's the beef? The beef? <laughs> you know, I actually, I live in New York city and during this whole, uh, Philly's run that we had over the last couple of weeks, I like found all of my friends in New York that were also Philly fans. And we just had a, an, such a core discussion about which foods are overlooked in Philly. And we came to the decision that the, the Denix pork roast sandwich is like one of the best things that you can have. And they never talk about it. All they want to talk about are the cheesesteaks, which understandably because the cheesesteaks are delicious, but like Denix, give it up to the roast beef all the way. Like, I think it may have been the last thing I ate before I left Philly. So we, yeah, I should talk about them more. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, all these national announcers for like uh, all the different sporting events, not just baseball, but like, they're always like cheesesteak Santa. And I'm like, I feel like we can branch out past these two things. Like there's so much more, especially for the food in Philly. There's so much more that we could talk about. The roast beef sandwich is not getting its due. It's not. And you've got to change that. We've got to change that. Let's get busy (laughs) on our social media and change that. How about the guy in Philly who just ate a rotisserie chicken every day for 40 days? I know. I know. Like, what is I, that all about? I, I, he was on Fox, Good Morning Fox, or whatever it is in Philly now. And, and it's just like, I don't, he was talking about it. And I have friends who are texting me from like different states being like, I don't, I don't get what's happening here. And I'm like, I don't know. We're sad. Like, we needed a win. I, like, it's the tenacity. It was a rough weekend. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The rotisserie chicken carried us forward. Yeah. It- <laughs> It's not to, it, it, it helped, it played to his favor that he was a little bit hot, right? Am I crazy or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was hot dude. Yeah. yeah. Hot dude, hot chicken, it all works out. <laughs> I, and here's something I never thought I would do, Marilyn. I, I always swore because when my wife and I decided to start a family uh, and we raised two girls, I, I swore I would never, ever uproot everybody and move even like a hundred miles for a radio job. I would do something else. I would find another way to make a living. I wanted there to be a sense of stability uh, for my girls. I wanted them to grow up in one place, have friends uh, and make friends, you know, all of that. But then there came a time as I, I think I mentioned to you that I wanted to continue in radio, but nobody wanted me to continue on their radio station, at least in Philadelphia. So I went out to California and I, I actually worked for a classic rock station and everybody, no one in Philadelphia would have hired Chris McCoy to play classic rock. There's no one because I, I came up playing AC, you know, Barry Manilow, all of that, uh, Celine Dion. I <laughs> had enough of that uh, to last four lifetimes. Uh, but no one would have ever given me a shot in Philadelphia. But I sent uh, my stuff out to a guy in Sacramento and he hired me. And I was surprised as anyone. And this was, of course, after my girls had grown up and, you know, married and have their own lives now. So I figured, okay, now's the time to do it. Now that you're, this is a long way to go to ask you this. Now that you're in Arizona, would you ever consider coming back here? Or are you now an Arizonan for life? Chris, nobody's calling out Marilyn Russell. I feel your pain. I get that. I get that. Nobody's like, we need a Marilyn Russell. You know, back in the day, that's how they felt. But I mean, yeah, Philly is my home. And so, of course, for the right opportunity, I would go back. But I, I'm not getting that call. And, of course, you know, my son is in Philly, too. So I miss, you know, my and he's just started a family. He just made me a grandmother. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I'm still wrapping my head around that she is absolutely lovely and he's turned out to be all that and more and I appreciate all the people who helped raise him including some Y100 
staffers um, because I worked a lot. But yeah, I mean, of course, I say never say never. You know, it's winter in Tucson, Chris, and you got to understand, you know, we're going to be swimming in January. You guys are going to be shoveling. It's a whole other animal. And I don't, I mean, I should walk the phone outside and show you the mountains. It is pretty, pretty special. So, and it was so random, by the way, it was like pandemic meltdown. I was so lonely voice tracking at home in my closet, Mm. you know, winter coming in, um, in January. And I was just like, and that's when they took me off middays. And all I had was the specialty show. I'm like, I could do this from anywhere. Where is it sunny 350 days out of the year? Bingo, Tucson pops. Something just, I felt like something calling me here. And I have to say, I feel better. I don't feel stressed. There's something about those mountains that, and the weather. It's just really magical. So I don't know. I hear that, you know, at, uh, at 18 years old, my first trip out of uh, Philadelphia and the East Coast was to Tucson, Arizona. I went out with a friend of mine whose family lived out there and uh, we stayed for a week and I fell in love with the place too. I mean, you know, from their living room window, you could see, I forget the name of the mountain range, but you could see the mountains from their living room chairs from the sofa and the saguaro cactus is just, you know, it was just amazing. And we took that trip up to visit his sister who was going to the university of Arizona uh, in Phoenix at the time. And uh, we drove up there and I've never seen anything like the dust devils on the way up along the side of the road. It was just, um, it was almost like being on another planet for an 18 year old Philly kid. Yeah, for sure. Those cactus just stand at attention and greet you as you come into the mountains. And, you know, that's it. Tucson is sandwiched right in the middle of Saguaro National Park. We have a park on the west and we have a park on the east. I like them equally. I'm a little bit partial to the east because there's water there and there's waterfalls and Mount Lemon. And, you know, I'm doing a lot of hiking. So I've always had this side of me. And I think when I got into radio, the demand was there. It was fierce. And you're it's constant you know you take a little vacation out here but then you get right back into it so for me to be here now having put in all that time and all that work I'm really really enjoying it so it would take a lot to have to make a change but we'll see mm-hmm. we'll put it out into the universe and see what happens <laughs> you know you worked at, a, at one of the radio stations in Philly that I always wanted to work at and and I'm talking about uh, WOGL um, there was just something about that radio station. To me, it was just so Philly. It was just, it, it oozed Philly. If it had fours, it would have been sweating Philadelphia. But I, I never thought, uh, I, I could never work there because I'm not that kind of jock. I can't go W-O-G-L. I mean, I could do it, but I wouldn't be very happy doing it uh, every day. <laughs> so for that reason, I never even really tried. But For me, it was an absolute honor, like just being on the roster with Harvey Holiday, like that's that's a thing, you know, because I grew up just like you listening to Harvey and listen to those guys. I still have cassettes of Ed Shockey doing the Sunday Night Alternative. I still have Michael Tierson's tapes, you know, so when you grow up and you get to work with them, you're like, wow, this is awesome. Yeah. So. I know it really, I was very honored and, you know, I, I did my best, but I felt like I kept getting knocked down and, and that, and after a while, you're just like, what more can I, can I do? And so it just didn't work out. Yeah. But you know, you were, you were rather successful there for a while, weren't you? I feel like I had a pretty great run from the time I got in till the time I got out. You know what, so, I, I, I want to get a T-shirt made and I want to uh, give it to all my friends in radio that says the T-shirt says you had a good run. You know, I mean, just just those words on a T-shirt uh, for me <laughs> kind of sum up, you know, because I heard that three or four times in my career, usually yeah. when I'm sitting across from the guy who was firing me. You 
you had a good run, but it's time for us to move on. We're going in a different direction. You know, that. Yeah. I mean, listen, it can be like a drug. You know, I didn't realize how addictive radio was, you know, um, it, because it, I wasn't that person with the headphones on in the basement, spinning records and announcing them. Um, I really did fall in quite accidentally, but it, it gets in your skin. It gets under your skin. And you're like, I got to keep doing this. I got to keep doing this until you don't. And that's sort of a good place. I might want to start a podcast though. And that's what, like the first thing everyone said when I accepted the job at Visit Tucson on my social media and on LinkedIn. And I'm, and I'm so honored that people think of me that way. I feel very blessed. They're like, when's the podcast coming? You know, so I guess, it's expected and I'll probably wind up pulling something together. Who doesn't want to talk about food for a half hour on a podcast? Not only who doesn't want to talk about it, who doesn't want to listen to it? You know, mm -hmm. that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, that's a great topic right there. You should do it. You Definitely. Do. All right. I'm going to do it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for your encouraging words. You guys you are really great. Hey, listen, before we go, I just wanted to say also that you know, one of the things about you being a Philly girl, you don't have that. I mean, I, I, I'm looking at your house over there. Uh, <laughs> you don't have that Philly accent. What happened? How did you lose that? I lived in California for four years. Is that what it was? <laughs> that's what it is. And then when I came back, I started working in advertising. And that's when John Goodchild, bless his heart, said with that voice, you got to start doing something. So that's what it is. I, I never really had a strong regionalism, to tell you the truth. I don't know why, but I definitely lost it in California. So, and that helped, right? Mm -hmm. oh, they don't yeah. like a lot of a lot of regionalism. So I could go anywhere and do anything. And so for as far as formats go, like I could totally hear you doing Klaus Brock. I, I, I think you can do anything. It's what happens between the songs and, you know, your energy that you bring, you know, it's, it, it doesn't matter what the format is really. I don't think. Hey man. Well, you know what? It's been, uh, it's been a, a lot of fun, you know, not only talking to you, about and there are so many things we didn't get to maybe we can do this again and uh, i would love to come back yeah uh, i would love to have you back too and before we go gabby is there anything that you want to ask this woman because gabby is uh i you know i've been dissuading her from uh doing anything in radio uh because I, I, only because you know even though it was good to me and i made a, a, a pretty good living at it for a long time and really dissuade any young person uh, from getting into radio these days because of the state of it. And unfortunately, I blame that on corporations who don't put a whole lot of stock in, uh, in talent anymore. It's more about the bottom line. Plus, if I can sound Philly for a second, <laughs> you got to have iron balls. Yeah. <laughs> and if you know, you've chosen the wrong path. Mm -hmm. I mean, it will kill you. It, it's a tough business, especially for women. So that being said, what was the question, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know that if I have a question for you so much as like, I just want to sort of express like my appreciation because doing this podcast, you know, we've gotten to meet a lot of people like you who have just had these awesome careers and getting to, to sit and help being able to tell your stories and, uh, you know, like, bear witness to a lot of the fun conversations that we have here. I mean, I leave so many things on the cutting room floor on this podcast that I wish I could include, but sometimes I just have so much good stuff that no one's going to listen to us talk for an hour and a half, you know? So I gotta, I gotta make it what it is. Um, Editing is the most important part of anything anybody does. Less is always more. The main thing is just do what you love and try to make that work if you can. Mm -hmm. I know that's easier said than done. And your generation has the tools. We didn't have any of that back in the day. So you have the tools, the ideas, the creativity to do your own thing. And determination is the one thing that kept, I think, me going. They would say no, and I would try again. And no, and I would try again. So you really have to want it, be determined, and love it. Because it is 
so much of your time. Mm -hmm. I have more time, more hours loved on the air than I do family time. That's really sad Mm -hmm. to say out loud, but that's because I fell in love with what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So I'm of course in love with my family and my son too, but I tried to have the best of all worlds. I do think some things suffered in the interim. As women, again, we have choices that have to be made and we hope that we're making the right choices. But you're figuring it out just by jumping around and seeing what you want to do. Well, you know, you mentioned that editing is so important. That is so true. It's uh, everything. Yes, and Gabby (laughs) is an excellent editor. It's just that I'm just so happy that it's not 35 years ago that she's not doing the editing with a razor blade. On a <laughs> to real. You know, they, they, I started they, that way too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think if I've learned anything too, in the many years of doing this is making people feel special and cared about and heard. Everybody just wants to be heard. You know, that in particular for, Remarkable Women and Woman of the Week, you know, just lifting their voices. That was the most important component. My favorite thing is, and now I get to do that in hospitality, which I love, you know. So people come to town, they don't know where they're going. They don't know what they're doing. And you're there and you're holding their hand and you're guiding them through. I think that's what we're doing in radio too. We're just holding hands, you know. I want to be the girl somebody wants to go to happy hour with because they think I'm cool, you know. But you're not putting on airs. You're just being you. And I think people respond to that. I think people, you know, it, it, it's not, we're not curing cancer. We're not doing brain surgery. Like we're not changing the world in those ways, but we aren't maybe changing someone's day mm-hmm. and making someone's day a little bit better. And that's mm-hmm. a gift. And if you can roll with that gift and make money at it, God, that's it, man, right there. So I, I hope I helped. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. Hey, listen, I think if we learned anything from the pandemic, full-time jobs are really overrated. Quality of life is what matters. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you here, I'm here to tell you like working less is a gift Mm -hmm. and being able to hike mountains on that time when I'm not working, it's unbelievable. Like I wish I had done it years ago. So don't worry about, don't put pressure on yourself about full-time, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Just make it, make it work if you can. Mm -hmm. But it was great to meet you. And Chris, I can't believe after all these years, we've never met. I'm so glad that we finally did this. (laughs) Me too. I, I, you and I, I, you and I worked with somebody that uh, has been a good friend of mine. uh, And I really admire this guy, Jason Lee. uh, NFM. Yeah. Uh, A great guy. And I, you know, I started working with Jason when he was just a kid, he was like 20 or 21. You know, I watched him grow and become this guy who's now on, TV and Philly and, but you and I never got to work together. And it doesn't seem like that's ever going to happen, Marilyn, because we're all <laughs> on to our own thing these days. By the way, where can people hook up with Eat, Drink and Be Marilyn? Mm-hmm. You never know, Chris, you never know. Where can people find this podcast? Let's talk about you and what this is all about now. Why are you doing it? And where can people find it? <laughs> See that now she couldn't. Are, are you just saying being people, like, where are they now? Is this a where are they now segment? Why why am I doing the podcast? I'll tell you why. Briefly, I'll tell you why. Because Gabby here, when I was still working in California, came to me with the idea of doing the podcast. And I told her that, you know, not only did I not want to be on the air too in Portland and uh, places like that while I was on the air in Sacramento, but I didn't really want to do a podcast while I was on the air. I wanted to I'm one of those people that is not a good multitasker. I have to keep focused on the one thing that I'm doing. Otherwise, you know, I get scatterbrained. So I said, well, look, I'll tell you what, I'm going to be retiring soon and I'm going to be moving back east. So when I get back east, let's talk again. And I thought she'll never remember that. You know, I got back east and I was there for an hour and a half and she's on the phone. Uh, Uncle Chris, Uncle Chris, remember we talked while you were in California about doing a podcast? <laughs> and by an hour, he means like nearly eight months. So <laughs> that's awesome. Well, where can people find it? Where do you where do you uh, set up? Let's get people to follow you. 
Yeah. I mean, we're on all the major podcasting platforms. So Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, you can listen online if all of those apps just absolutely repulse you. And, you know, we have Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, but yeah, and we- when you send it to me, I'll share it on Marilyn Russell. Yo, that Marilyn great- Russell, yo on Instagram or yeah. Twitter, Marilyn Russell. Yeah. I'm all over the place too. All right, cool. Perfect. There we go. Okay. Hey, Marilyn Russell, it was a, a, a real kick to talk to you and to finally meet you. And uh, let's get together and do this again sometime, huh? I'm in. Okay, good. Thank you. And do that podcast. Yeah. All right. So I know Marilyn is not someone that either one of us has ever met in person, but we have so much in common with her. Did you notice that? We both cross paths with Preston and Steve. We both <laughs> love to eat. We both think highlighting women in the industry is important. So, you know, I, and then you guys basically worked parallel to each other for so long yeah. and never crossed paths, which is kind of amazing, but it, amazing that you weren't, that you didn't cross paths, but also amazing that you can now sort of reflect on that all these years later. You know, she is somebody that uh, was very well known here. And, you know, like, like we talked about in the interview, you know, she would, do a lot of things in the community and work with a lot of charities and all of that stuff. And I, uh, you know, I, as I mentioned, I preferred to, to go home and sit on the couch and, you know, watch Netflix uh, after work. <laughs> so, but she did what I should have been doing the whole time, but neither one of us are in radio anymore. Mm-hmm. So, and she, you know, obviously she's out in Tucson, Arizona. And one of the, it doesn't seem like she's going to come back. I mean, you know, when I was in California, as much as I loved the experience of being out there, I was homesick the whole time. I really was homesick. And I was happy to come back here, uh, you know, to where I was born and raised and worked most of my life. So, but I don't get that feeling from her, you know, that she's homesick for Philly. Do you? Yes and no. I think she's really happy with the situation that she's in now. And she's, in her own words, having a love affair with Tucson, which is great that she moved to this place and then has wholeheartedly embraced it. But it does sound like if the right opportunity popped up for her, that she would be happy to come back with all the wonderful things that she has here. Although if she were to come back, I hope that she would make many a stop on her way back to try all the different foods between Arizona and Philadelphia, because her food Instagram, I have to bring it up again. Her food Instagram was great. I was so happy she talked to us about that. Yeah, eat, drink, and be Marilyn. You know, she's got to do that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. I know you would listen every week. I can tell. <laughs> I would. It, it's like the audio version of Somebody Feed Phil on Netflix. It, but it's just, you know, Marilyn telling me about what she had that day. And me inevitably seeing a picture online and being like, hmm, that looks kind of good. Hmm. Maybe we should do that. Maybe we should go in the food direction here. Mm. I don't know. Food for thought. Anyway. Food for thought. <laughs> Thanks, Marilyn, for being on with us this week. Well, we're going to have to put our heads together and come up with something for next week there. Gab, what do you think? I think you're right, but I think we can do it. Okay. <laughs> I'm with you on that. Till then, be safe, have fun, and we'll see you next Wednesday. Bye, everybody. Bye.